0: Welcome to Women on the Line, Community Radio's National Women's Current Affairs program. Produced at 3CR Community Radio on Wurundjeri country of the Kulin Nations and broadcast on the Community Radio Network. I'm Nicole Kirby. The 26th of January marks Invasion Day. Our schools teach us that this is the day that the First Fleet arrived in Sydney Heads and planted the Union Jack in the soil. We're increasingly told that this is a day to be proud of. But it's only in recent years that this day has been celebrated as politicians like John Howard struggled to muster a sense of nationalism that they could cash in on. The day is also remembered as the beginning of the genocide and dispossession that Aboriginal people in this country continue to face. The day that the continent was invaded. There's been a long history of resistance to this invasion by Aboriginal people. The anniversary of invasion is just one instance of this resistance. In 1938, it was marked as a day of mourning as Aboriginal activists met in Sydney. In 1988, the anti-bicentennial protests raised a storm. And this year, like many years before, on the 26th of January, a march and a smoking ceremony will mourn and resist the genocide that Australia is founded on. Joining us on Women on the Line to speak about the significance of protesting this day are Meg and Mariki from Warriors of the Aboriginal Resistance, organisers of the Invasion Day March in Melbourne. My
1: name is Mariki Onus, and I'm from Warriors of the Aboriginal Resistance. Um, I'm from the Gunai and Gunditjmara Nations, but I currently live on the country.
2: Yeah, thanks for having us. Um, my name is Meg Rudderhan, I'm a Jadwa woman. Um, yeah, also living here in in Melbourne on Wurundjeri Country, um, and also a member of War Worries of the Aboriginal Resistance.
0: Thanks both of you so much for joining us. And mariki has been on the show before, but Meg it's your first time, so thank you. Um, so Invasion Day is on the 26th of January. As we approach it, there's a whole lot of hype going around it. But I wanted to start by asking both of you what your interpretation of inv- Invasion Day is. I mean. The conventional Australian wisdom is that the 26th of January is the day that the First Fleet arrived in um, Sydney Mm -hmm. and stuck a flag in the land Mm -hmm. there. But, of course, there's a whole other side to that story. So what's your interpretation? I want to hear it from your perspective. That day
1: is the day of the beginning of the colonisation of our lands and people and the genocide of our people it's been two hundred and twenty eight years on Tuesday and the it's basically been the same plan of um, colonization from the day that they got here mm. and it's continuing to happen to us today
2: yeah it's a day of mourning for for most Aboriginal people I know um, you know it's a day that everything changed for us it's a day when we lost our rights to our lands our rights to our culture and you know our people are still really suffering. We've been suffering since that day and that suffering hasn't ended. And I know some people are like kind of skirt around the word, word genocide but what's happened here in Australia is genocide and it continues, you know, like it was found to be genocide in the in the Bringing Them Home report, you know. Um, and... It can't be celebrated. It can't be celebrated by the masses, you know, like you, with all the Australian flags and everything like that. It just completely disregards our suffering. Mm.
1: And you, Yeah, I think I don't like the idea of celebrating Australian nationalism regardless of what date it's on. There's not going to be a day that I'm going to be happy to come down, come sit around with other people and ha- be comfortable with them hundred percent um proud of who they are of everything that they got that got to the where they are and everything that they are uh, at the system that continually um uh, that we're continually systemically failed and oppressed and murdered by um, there's just not going to be a day where I'll never i, I just can't ever see myself find it, thinking of a day or or any reasoning around being okay with australia day. I'm not I'm not protesting the day that they come. I'm actually protesting the notion of Australia. We need to decolonise what that identity is and what that means to us as people and to our humanity as well.
0: Mm. So, yeah, that is talking about there's a campaign to change the date. So um, that's kind of singling out the idea that the 26th of January is the date that the invasion happened and that in itself is, is offensive. But then the idea that if we did it on another day, maybe it would be somewhat better or something. And I was reading something that um, I think it's Luke Pearson was writing for Indigenous X, Mm. and he was kind of throwing open that idea of, you know, if we talk about changing the date, does it then throw into question what it is that we're celebrating Mm. at all? And if we start looking at that, do we then realise that the whole thing is pretty problematic? And, Mm -hmm. I mean, he kind of said that the fact that everyone just puts flags over themselves and gets blind drunk, is that to forget the meaning of what we're celebrating because is it too troubling to remember that when you're sober?
1: Maybe. Yeah, yeah. that's a good
2: point. I hadn't read that article but I've seen it going around. i have to look at it. I don't think it's, you know, I I think there's a lot of people who don't actually want to engage in that debate like because that whole Australian identity is kind of a fallacy, you know, like... It's based on false notions, and I don't think people, I don't think people are ready to deal with that. I've also
1: seen, you know, excuse me, yeah, right. okay. you know, people talking um, about change the date, and I find like it's just an easier pill to swallow. It's just that I've seen other black followers you know, try and engage non-Aboriginal people in that conversation and say, "But let's change the date so we can all celebrate together." To me, I don't see that conversation is not going, is not really getting to the core of what the real issues are around colonialism and um, genocide. The colonisation of Australia is not something that happened a long time ago. It's a continual thing. You know, killing our people is not a stagnant stagnant part of Australian history. This is happening right here today. We're having, and this is what people don't want to talk about in these mm-hmm. days. And this is what I think. Us as Aboriginal people need to take the opportunity to put these issues on the platform. This is our turn to talk more than ever. We're going to talk about Aboriginal deaths and custodies. We're going to talk about, you know, the fact that we don't have any kind of political platform to voice what we actually think about things that impact our lives socially, politically, any any kind of aspect of our lives. You know, we should be talking about the fact that there's more Aboriginal children um, in out-of-home care right now than at any other stage in the history of this country. The genocide of Aboriginal people is not a stagnant part of mm. history and the colonisation of our lands is not a stagnant part of history. You know, the, the, if you look at the formula of colonisation, it's kill the Aboriginal people and then take the land and then use that for economic value. It happened with our people and the theft of our land for the partial use And the farms down in Gippsland, you know, there were massacres that happened over the theft of sheep there. They've carried out massacres against the Gunai people down there. And now there's, you know, huge uh, amounts of pastoral lands across that country where they make a lot of money off that still today. And then if you kind of flash forward now to the forced closures, it's the exact same formula. Remove the Aboriginal people, take their land and gain it for economic use. And that's you know that and it happens all around the world to Indigenous peoples. And that's the fundamental issue of what's happening here. We need our land back. If people don't want to have a conversation about Aboriginal people and Aboriginal rights, we absolutely need our land back. We need it mm. for our healing. We need it to survive. And we're part of it. We're not separated from it.
2: <clears throat> also, Aboriginal control of Aboriginal lands is is good for everyone. Climate change is one of the biggest threats that... Everyone is facing, and we didn't create that problem, but we have the means to fix it. Like, you know, we have the knowledge to fix, to yeah, yeah, reduce the harm that we do to this planet.
0: Yeah. Mm. And Meg, you were kind of saying that um, in the conversations around decolonisation, climate change is something that you feel has been a bit left out. That is really important.
2: Yeah. Uh, Totally. Yeah. Like we we did not create this this mess you know we have been caring for country for forever you know like we know how to do it that's that's the core principle of our of our beings you know is to care for country and through colonization has come climate change you know like Mariki's talking about the pastoral industry well they're one of the biggest contributors to to methane gas to, to to climate change in Australia you know the mining that's you know like it can't be separated colonisation and climate change is one in the same and I think that debate really needs to be to be decolonised and and start looking at it from a position of aboriginal sovereignty yeah women on the line and the other thing I guess that you were talking about earlier was
0: the question of Australian identity and this is questions that you've sort of started to pose on your Facebook page and that sort of thing of around like who are Australians in relation to Aboriginal people and, you know, what is Australian identity anyway? Like it's kind of something that is a bit, is it, does it even exist? It's those kind of questions. Mm. But then if we start thinking like what's white Australian identity in relation to Aboriginal people or in relation to Invasion Day, where does that position us, you know? I think, you know, when we're
1: talking about the Australian identity and decolonising that whole notion. You know, a a Scottish brother from, he's living in Brisbane Brisbane, and he made a a Facebook page for the Celtic community to come and stand in solidarity with um, First Nations up in um, Brisbane on Invasion Day and march with them and talked about the interlink uh, and the experience of colonisation to the Celtic peoples. And talked about how and encouraged the people of Celtic descent, regardless of how far removed they were, in terms of land or whether they identified verbally as that, to reclaim those um, that identity back. And that's a and that's an avenue to decolonise the idea of being Australian, and really for people that have experienced the same level of colonialism as Aboriginal people. I mean, it's contradictory um, to the experience that they've had in history as well. Mm. They're almost aiding the very thing that destroyed or is continuing to destroy who they are as people. And I, th- I thought that was a really good avenue of doing that. Your heritage is always a part of you. You always have that blood running through your veins. You have the same ancestries. Your spirits are always with you. And I feel like that's a universal thing. That's not just um, exclusively for Aboriginal Indigenous people. Everybody has in it. something in their ancestry to claim. Why not? Why claim these new colonial... Oppressive and extremely genocidal identities that mm. just contribute to the the destruction of humanity of people around the country. It doesn't make sense to me, mm. and I, you know that's an absolute invite to everyone that identifies as Australian to really think about what why are you holding on to that identity when you have something that's beautiful from your history and from your um from your ancestry, which you know you can you you can reclaim that.
0: Mm. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting way of looking at it because, yeah, there are a lot of people around the world that have been really badly affected by colonisation. And so to draw those links, I think there's, you know, some power to be gained by people realising that they share some struggle in some ways. Mm -hmm. But then the other side of it is like there are people living in Australia and. I don't know, I I wonder sometimes if I'm one of them and kind of don't really know enough about my family history to know but there are people living in Australia who were complicit in, whose ancestors were complicit in frontier violence Mm. and regardless as well we're all kind of occupying stolen land and so on the one hand there's that acknowledgement like you're saying of kind of sharing in those struggles but at the same time I feel it's important not to shy away from the fact that, yeah, there is that continual violence Mm -hmm. and there is a complicity, like there is a responsibility that sits on some people's shoulders Mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. And most of us, it's really hard to acknowledge that or we don't want to or it's much easier just to pretend that that doesn't exist and and celebrate Australia Day, whatever that's supposed to mean, you know. Yeah. So it's two sides of one coin I guess.
1: Absolutely and that's you know there is a difficult conversation to have about whiteness um to have about white privilege I find personally that conversation difficult to have and you know I mean I there there are complications around that I guess that's a really long um conversation that we need to continue to have Mm. um but addressing white privilege and whiteness and what that means and, and white supremacy, the fact that our lives are dictated by a foreign culture that continues to kill us that only a certain group of people benefit from, mm-hmm. that's a very hard conversation to have because it's like... And then, you know, you'll have someone, a, a, um, a white person, t- turn around and say, but what can I do about it? I haven't... It's not me, but it's, you know... That kind of attitude and is is problematic as well. There's lots of writing and literature around about it. I mm. mean, I think Claire Land did a really good job in addressing some of that and how to do good white solidarity. Mm. But I think I think a lot of people... I think a lot of white people take some of what we say and I, maybe even personally what I say personally and offensive, you know, and it's our politics aren't about hating white people and mm. it's not about
2: mm.
1: hating any anyone, you know. I think... When we burnt the Australian flag and to talk, do things like that, it's that was an act of freedom. These things liberate us as peoples. If someone's feelings getting hurt by us um, liberating ourselves is really problematic, and we're not the problem in that kind of circumstance, mm. I don't know if that just made sense, but um, yeah, it's very
0: difficult and long yeah. conversation yeah. To... yeah, and they are really they are really <laughs> complex. Questions. And
2: there, there is a way that we can move forward together. You know, like, there are a lot of allies out there and there's a lot of allies to be made Mm. as well, you know. Like, it's not all doom and gloom, but we need to be having these very critical discussions and, yeah, looking at this national Australian identity and deconstructing that and rather than just covering it up, rather than covering up the massacres and the genocide that's happened, that needs to be taught in schools, at the moment it's completely whitewashed you know like how how how's it ever going to move forward if if we can't engage in these kind of debates
0: mm. and one thing on that debate I mean a lot of people would say that the recognized campaign is something that is opening up that debate and that acknowledgement and for you know for listeners who aren't aware the Recognise campaign is about recognizing aboriginal people in I think it's the preamble to the Australian Mm. constitution. What are your thoughts on that one?
1: I think that this is not... I mean, this is a government initiative. This didn't come from Aboriginal people. So this is... And they're going to... Basically, they're asking the Australian people to decide on what's going to happen for Aboriginal people, and that's what's inherently wrong with this country. Mm. We are... We are. We have. From the moment they have landed to these, on these shores, they have made the decisions and dictated to us what should happen. We, are, our philosophies, are self determination. We should have the right to determine our lives politically. Mm. We are a self determining people. We're completely capable of it. We did it for up to a hundred thousand years before white people got here. We are capable of doing it again. I mean, I. Some people would argue. And I'm not 100% sure where I stand for it yet, but there are alternatives to it. I don't think that Australia, Australians or anyone that can vote that's not Aboriginal has a place and has a right to vote. There's no place for them in that discussion. We should be asked whether we want to be in that and then we'll decide. But I find that now grassroots Aboriginal people, we've flat out said no for years. Mm -hmm. It's becoming tiring. Most blackfellas don't want it. Mm. even conservative black fellows don't want it yeah. but I, I i've noticed that they've turned they've moved their um their campaigns away from aboriginal now and because we are only 3% of the vote it doesn't matter what we say in that mm. there's absolutely nothing that we can do around the voting doesn't matter ultimately if aboriginal people vote in australia or not it doesn't matter our our voices are never heard in that so they they're directing their campaigns towards non-Aboriginal people because that's where the vote's going to swing and that's what's wrong with it. I mean, Mm. some people would say a treaty might be a good alternative but we're going to use this day, Invasion Day, um, on Tuesday to talk up our alternatives. We have so many Aboriginal people working tirelessly on self-determining models uh, from a perspective of sovereignty who've Mm. done amazing work and we will be pumping out that information on our hashtags right across social media so people can access that information to see what the alternatives are, see what Aboriginal people want to do. And there's really good, I think there's really good models. Some people were saying treaty and I think that's a great way of acknowledging us as self-determining people because a treaty is an agreement between two or more equal parties. Mm. There's a long way before we ever get equal with Australia again. Um, but that's a good way to acknowledge our sovereign, us as a, self-determining peoples. But there's also prob- that's also problematic as well. But let's have these conversations. Mm-hmm. Let's not let recognise dictate what our
2: alternatives are, what any kind of movement should be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I completely agree with like everything that Mariki's <laughs> just said. And I suppose one interesting thing about this whole recognise campaign is that there has been no. Funding committed to the no side of this debate, where I, I think constitutional law actually dictates that both sides of the argument be funded. So, um, you know, from even from that point of view, the, the whole process is corrupt. Mm. I yeah. think that's why we have to really use
1: this platform on Invasion yeah. Day to really, um, really talk about the, the fact that Aboriginal people do not want recognised mm. at all. And that we encourage anyone that stands in solidarity to do the same, Mm. Mm. Um, to say that this is not their call. I mean, I would say that for Australians out there or for anyone that's not Aboriginal, to stand up and say that this is not your call to make. Mm. Um, And hopefully that happens. Yeah,
0: yeah. And you were saying that you're going to be using some hashtags on the day. So do you want to tell listeners what they're going to be and they can get in on them as well? Yes, I do. They'll be on our Facebook page, but for those... That aren't
1: on Facebook and only on Twitter. Um, hashtag Invasion Day two thousand and sixteen is one of them. Hashtag Keep the Fire Burning Sovereignty How is one of them. They'll be the main ones, but come and stumble across one of those hashtags. There should you should find enough information there on them to find out. Not that we just we don't just oppose what's happening, but we are working on what should happen too. Mm.
0: You're listening to Women on the Line, produced at the studios of 3CR on Wurundjeri Country of the Kulin Nation and broadcast across these stolen lands we call Australia. I'm Nicole Kirby and you're hearing from Marie Kionis and Meg Rodahan, members of Warriors of the Aboriginal Resistance. We're talking Invasion Day. Another question that we've kind of already started to talk about a little bit is that, that issue of land. And, I mean, you were talking about this and we were saying that you've been kind of provoking some interesting conversations around this. Um, and, and on Facebook I sort of saw that you'd asked for white allies or people who want to be allies, would you hand back your land or land that you inherit to Aboriginal mm. people and mm. why or why not and what would that mean? Tell me a bit about those kind of questions and, you know, if if we're having other conversations that aren't recognised and that sort mm. of thing, yeah, they, they are really hard questions.
1: They are really hard questions because that really, I think that question got right to the crux of the difference between our allies and us. We don't have the privilege to for inheritance that was immediately struck away from us. So in order for us to have some kind of real, you know, this is a completely hypothetical question. I didn't even pose that with other war members. It was just something a discussion point to get people thinking, um, what you know that we don't have white privilege. But if we're going to talk about Aboriginal people having real self-determination, we need some form of land base. We need something to base our, self, our, our political base on, we need something. Every, also to most, secure our culture as well to secure, for, for many yeah, aspects, yeah, yeah. but even like to have some base even in Melbourne for water to function from. Even just something that we don't have anything. All of the all of our community properties are dictated by governments and corporation, so it's really
0: difficult. I mean, um, I think it's a really interesting question too because I mean, I guess what Gough Whitlam did in the seventies too was he gave the block in Redfern Mm -hmm. to the Aboriginal Housing Mm -hmm. Corporation and then that became Mm -hmm. Aboriginal-controlled land and that's sort of gradually kind of been pulled back and so now there's been people that have been fighting really hard, um, under Jenny Mm -hmm. Munro in particular, on the block. But now it's like it's not really a space for... um, It's
1: gentrification is another threat to us Mm -hmm. and that's, yeah.
0: Yeah, Yeah. so it's not really a space for Aboriginal people to live and then, you know, you've seen stuff like Native Title but that's like a very expensive and very flawed process mm. where aboriginal people are given land but only for certain purposes mm. and you know only you know with a lot of strings attached mm. after they've had very to fight it in the courts for years and years and years yeah so yeah it is like it is a really interesting question because yeah. it's something that's been tackled in different ways but never probably particularly effectively
1: and also I mean I just is another thought the concept of crown land being here on this continent I I don't know why even non aboriginal people are comfortable with that that doesn't me- that, that doesn't benefit anyone here yeah. not one single person maybe like one billionaire has a connection over there I'm not 100% sure but that's how those things work why don't aboriginal people have crown land why is why isn't that that should be ours I mean that could go on the conversation of Treaty Republic. I mean, these weren't the conversations that we should be having. What do people mean about Aboriginal self-determination and us be determining our own lives politically and socially? And how far will people go for that?
2: Women's on the line. <laughs> oh, that was women on the line. Women on the line. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And finally what can people expect from the Invasion Day march and what are the details if they want to head down there Be prepared we're going to, have to talk about um serious some have some serious conversations you know
1: it's not just an alternative to Australia Day it's not an alternative to Survival Day We're rightfully reclaiming this space to talk about why this needs to happen mm. We'll be marching
2: from Parliament steps
1: um at 11:30 so hopefully I'll see you all there
2: Yeah look we encourage everyone like to to get down there Last year we saw sixteen thousand people hit to the like hit the streets, you know, against the forced closures and being part being a part of that movement, Aboriginal and non Aboriginal people fighting together. It was such an amazing experience, and you know that last year of resistance all kind of kicked off around Invasion Day, and yeah, yeah we want to see another year of of that mm. yeah because
0: mm. you guys were of course responsible all last year for organizing the stop the force closure of mm-hmm. aboriginal communities in wa those marches that were massive in mm. melbourne and yeah. um that was war that was responsible for organizing that as well mm-hmm. yeah so have we got more of Big that to look forward to, to this year yeah, yes totally yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome thanks so much for joining us yeah. all right thank you having bye us. And that's all for Women on the Line today. You've been hearing from Marie Kionis and Meg Rotterhan from Warriors of the Aboriginal Resistance. And if you're in Melbourne on the 26th of January, don't forget to get down there for the Invasion Day march, meeting at the Parliament Steps at 11.30am sharp. If you're in another part of Australia, then look up where your local Invasion Day protest is and get there. No matter where you are, you can join us on Twitter. The hashtags to follow... A Sovereignty How, Invasion Day 2016, and Keep the Fire Burning. Women on the Line is Community Radio's National Women's Current Affairs Program. It's produced and presented by a range of women broadcasters from 3CR in Melbourne, and it's broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. We greatly appreciate financial support from the Community Broadcasting Foundation. We welcome your comments or thoughts on today's show. So please send us an email to womenontheline at gmail.com or phone 3CR on 03 9419 8377. You can also find us on Facebook on Twitter. Just look up Women on the Line. Our programs can be downloaded from our website www.3cr.org.au forward slash Women on the Line. The theme music for Women on the Line is Slideshow at Free University by La Tigre. You've also heard music on this show from Mariki Hood and Emma Donovan. I'm Nicole Kirby. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you can join us again next time.
2: Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast.